We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Ron, let's begin the 11 o'clock hour by going right out to the fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. And that is where we find... Paul Steigerwald, Steige, as he's affectionately known. Steige, there's been a I'm big here. trade in the NHL, and it's Elias Lindholm, and people were wondering if maybe Gensel would be headed to Vancouver. They're curious about that. They're curious about the Russian kid that went back to Calgary. The Penguins were linked to him. What do you make of this deal? Where does it leave the whole Jake Gensel thing? Your thoughts on all of this? Well, first of all, you know, uh, Jim Rutherford always – insists on making deals before the deadline. So rather than wait till the first week of March, he's making it now, which he's done in the past. He feels like when you make a deal at the deadline, you don't give a player enough time to get assimilated with his new team. So he did that with the Penguins with success, and he's doing it in Vancouver with Patrick Alvin, each of whom, Jim Rutherford and Alvin, each got contract extensions. So they're doing quite well out there in Vancouver, and Rick Tockett is doing a great job. They got a guy who's very versatile. He's a right-hand shot, uh, Elias Lindholm. He was probably the real prize in the uh, free agent pool, I would say, simply because he is a versatile player. And those kinds of guys, a second-line center or a winger, he's a right shot. He can win face-offs. He's a good penalty killer. He's got good size. He can score goals. Former first-round pick. Jim Rutherford loved him in Carolina. And uh, he's really blossomed into a heck of a player in Calgary. So that was a great acquisition. They gave up. Uh, a good prospect, defensive prospect, whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce right now, and another guy who's, I think, not considered a really, really high-end prospect, and Kuzmenko, Andre Kuzmenko, who had a good rookie year, put some numbers up, was struggling a little bit. Maybe he didn't hit it off too well with Rick Tockett. There's a lot of talent there in Vancouver. Maybe there wasn't enough room for him to really be that guy. But a lot of people feel like he still has a lot of upside and could really help Calgary. So, uh, it's a deal that, you know, you look at Gensel and here's the thing. When you're, when you have a rental player, you can't expect to get a big, big haul back because there's no guarantee that the team that's acquiring your player is going to be able to sign him in the off season. So there, there's a little less value there, I think, you know, than, than there would be if the player was already signed to a contract. So in that respect, uh, it may be foolish to think that the Penguins are going to get this gigantic haul for Jake Gensel. So you have to really consider what's the what's what are you getting back before you decide to move them? Is it really one of those big building block type trades where you make it and it kind of sets you on the path for a rebuild? I don't know. I I, I think Gensel's contract is going to be really a one that's going to be based more on term than it is money. I think you know if he wants a seven or eight year deal at you know eight million a year, I don't know if the Penguins are going to be ready to deal with that. But if he takes a four-year deal at eight or nine million. Maybe the Penguins will be able to pull that off and he'll decide to stay in Pittsburgh. We'll see. Paul, what's your gut feel on Gensel? What's going to happen? You think he'll be traded by uh, March 8? I don't. <laughs> I think the Penguins will find a way to, to sign him and lock him up. That's what I think will happen. And, uh, 
The reason I think that is because of what I just said. I think he's a really, really good player. He's a complimentary player to Sid, who's still got a couple years to go here on his contract. He's going to be around for a while. still have to have players, even if you're going to change and, and rebuild. A lot of people I know believe that he's the one piece that could really set them on a path to a rebuild, and you got to do it now because, uh, you know, the Penguins are going to fall off a cliff here if you don't go get a first-round pick and another prospect. But, you know, a first-round pick, you might have to wait four years to see that guy. He's going to be a low-round pick, first-round pick, and you don't know what you're getting back. And, again, that rental aspect changes things a little bit. So I just think in the final analysis, the Penguins will think it's better to have that asset in their fold and to go forward with Jake Gensel. And I think Jake Gensel probably feels that it's best to stay in Pittsburgh and play with Sid, and he enjoys it here. And I, I don't know how much of a discount he'll take, but I would guess he'll take some. What do you think it would be like if he hit the open market? That's what I was wondering earlier in the show, Steige. Like, I really like him. I'm sure everybody likes Jake Gensel. Who doesn't want goals? But he is going to pass the 30-year-old mark. It, his new contract won't be about what he's done. It's, it'll be about what a team thinks he can still do. Do you think he would crack the $10 million mark per year on a multi-year deal on the open market? Mm, I don't think so. I think he will be viewed as a, a tier below that. So he would be in the eight to nine range. That's my feeling. And uh, you got to get, it's got to be a team that has a great player that he can compliment. He's a complimentary player. Uh, he's a great player. I, I love Jake Ensel. I think he's an amazing hockey player, but I, I, I don't think he's in that upper echelon, not even a William Nylander type. I think he's right below that. And the numbers would say otherwise, but he's playing with Sid. And he is, does have a knack. He puts a puck in the net. But as you said, he's 30. So my guess is he's an 8 to $9 million player, even on the open market. That's what I think. But I think, again, term could be the big thing with him. He might want an eight-year deal at that number, and the Penguins might not be prepared to do that. So I, I, I'll, I, I, I generally don't like to kind of speculate on this stuff because I – I think of it more as business than I do hockey, and and it's such a, it's so over my pay grade, you know, and the guy who has to make the decision makes five million a year. You want to give me some of that, and I'll give you a really good idea of what I would do. I don't, <laughs> I don't think Dubis wants to give up any of his money, to tell you the truth. No, I don't think so either. Uh, Paul, I mean, he's got to decide though by March eighth if this is a legitimate playoff team, a legitimate Cup contender. Do you think it is? Can be? Will be? I don't know if that's necessarily the prerequisite for him making a decision or whether or not this team's a contender. I think it's more about having uh, a player who's an asset for you for the next few years versus getting a, a pick that might not even turn into an NHL player. So I, I think it's more about that. You know, you, you get a guy at a good price who's an asset. You can trade him later. I mean, you could trade him if the team goes off a cliff in the middle of next year and you still got Jake Gensel. Maybe there's somebody who's willing to take him. He's, he'll be signed. You know, they have cost certainty with them, and maybe you could turn that into a, an asset, a, a younger player that could help you down, you know, immediately and down the road. So I, I just don't think he's going to base his decision on Jake Gensel whether or not the Penguins can win the Stanley Cup this year. I just don't. Might there be another move in the offing? It was hard not to look at the Vancouver uh, deal and Jim Rutherford and say to myself, man, it was great when the Penguins were doing that, when they were all in. They were in a position to be all in, and they were going for Marion Hosa or Ginla or people like that. You know what I mean, Steige? Yeah, we loved those times, right? Because you were always imagining that the Penguins could win the Cup doing it. But, 
you know, I thought after a while, I thought the Penguins got kind of stuck in that mode where they all constantly felt like they had to be the team that made the big deal at the trade deadline. And, you know, it's got a little bit of a fantasy, you know, at that point, you're kind of playing fantasy hockey, in my opinion. I think we know from having won the Cups uh, all the years that the Penguins have won, there's so many things that have to go right for you to win the Stanley Cup. You just don't make a couple of deals, you know, in March and, and guarantee yourself a Stanley Cup. And sometimes you can screw up what you've got. In the case of the Vancouver Canucks, they've had an amazing year, and I think Jim Rutherford recognizes, like he did when he was in Carolina, when he got Mark Recchi and Doug Waite, you know, and won, won the Cup, or when he was in Pittsburgh, and he was able to make uh, that those deals in 16 and 17 to put his team over the top. I think he recognizes that this is a year when he has to go for it, and it's a great feeling when you know you have a great team and there's somebody out there who could really make a difference for your team. But I give him a lot of credit with his philosophy of making deals early, so he really has a feel for what that player can do with his team by the time the uh, other teams are thinking about making deals in March. He's already got a, a real good thing going with uh, with his new players. So I like Vancouver's chances, but to think that they're necessarily going to win the Cup when you've got Edmonton, Colorado, and Vegas out there, uh, you know, he, he gives his team a better chance than it had yesterday. Uh, and the people in Vancouver must be over the moon because they were horrible last year. They got Rick Tockett. Jim Rutherford, I'm sure, was pulled his hair out. Uh, last year, but now look, uh, it's just been an amazing transformation, and they're one of the best teams in the league now. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Well, let me ask this a different way. Okay, so maybe whether they're a cup contender or not won't influence Dubas. Do you think they are a legitimate playoff team and cup contender or have a chance to be? Um, I don't know. I, I'm not necessarily. I, I, I think that uh, right now the Penguins are in that second echelon of teams. I mean, they're 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 gonna, they're on the bubble. The difference between them and the Florida Panthers, for instance, last year got in on the last day. I really thought the Panthers were sort of a sleeping giant, you know, at the time. I, I, I told a few people, watch out for that team. If they get in, they're going to be good. And look what they've done. I mean, they went to the Stanley Cup final, and they're one of the better teams in the league this year. But, you know, the Penguins held their own with them the other night. And I think if the Penguins are still competitive and in the playoff race, there may be a deal they can make that could make them a stronger team defensively and give them one more dimension that they need right now to be able to put cause some trouble in the playoffs. Let's put it that way. But even if you get to the final in the East or the conference final, you, it's a long road to the Stanley Cup at that point because, as I said, you've got great teams over in the West. And, you know, it's just not easy to win. I mean, but I think the Penguins, if they get into the playoffs, I think they're better suited to win in the playoffs this year than they were last year because of the acquisitions they made, like Lars Zeller and Noel Achari. Uh, but I still think they need help on defense. And I, and, you know, and I think Kyle Dubas is praying that his team stays competitive up until the deadline so he can make a couple deals and really give his team a shot to maybe do something in the playoffs. Paul Steigerwald on the Sullivan Super Service Fan Hotline. Fan Text Line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say... There's never a fee unless we get money for you. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at SouthHillsKia.net. And the time right now is 11.25. Time to call Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Why pay 40% 
When you can pay 25%, call 888-98-TWINS. All right, Steige, this power play has been a blight on humanity. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's unbelievable that it's this bad with that kind of Hall of Fame talent, even fading in some cases, Hall of Fame talent on it. They're second last in the NHL. Sully finally decided, well, he, I guess he did that early in the year, uh, to split them up in their last game. How would you fix the power play, and how do you think he goes about it? Well, I think they've already started the process. I would have taken Gino off the top unit. Not that he's the problem necessarily, but I think he contributes to the problem. And so I think he would have been my first move to move him to a different power play and to split them up and create new power plays. So I think that move was a good one. I, I, they've done it before, but it's very, very temporary. They'll do it for like two power plays and then go back to the original one. Things like that. I, I think they had to make a decision that they're going to stick with for a while and really give themselves a chance to have a different looking kind of power play. So they've, they've begun that process, and I think it's important that they stick with it. Uh, so that would have been the first thing. And it's just because you have too many gourmet chefs on the power play with the addition of Eric Carlson. And so I, I kind of like the idea of, of, of getting Latang more involved in the first, if you want to call it the first unit, uh, and, and Gino on a, on, a, on a different unit, either with Latang or Carlson, depending on how they, they work it out in the end. But I, I'm, I'm more of the opinion that. To go back to maybe what used to work, uh, I know that uh, Eugenio was always a part of the number one power play when Latang was, but I, I think I might just to put Gino on that other power play unit away from Sid, let Sid and maybe even Latang run run a power play and see what happens. That, that's probably what I would do. How about three on three, Paul? It is it, it's alarming to me how bad they are three on three with that talent. Yeah, they don't do a very good job at it. They, you know, the other night when they were involved in that three on three. I guess it was the Florida game. Uh, Florida was just looked so so confident in what they were doing when they had the puck. You couldn't get it away from them. And I never feel like that with the Penguins. I feel like they're kind of ad-libbing out there, and there's not a lot of structure to what they're doing. And I don't know if it's just the kinds of players Florida has or if it's you know the Penguins players or certain kind of players that maybe like to ad-lib to more than they should. And it just it doesn't look structured or it doesn't look like there's a method to the madness. And as a result, they don't get, you know, uh, the chances or the looks that the other teams seem to be able to get against them. So I, I think they need to work on it. The interesting thing about their schedule right now is they got a lot of practice time, a lot of days. To me, that would be time spent, you know, working on the things that they need to work on. Problem is when you work on those things, like, for instance, the power play, you work on the power play, your penalty killers, aren't they're not doing what penalty killers do in game situations. They're not trying to block shots. They're not. You know, they're giving you some resistance, but it's not the same. And, and so if you work on it's almost like if you work on it too much, you might develop bad habits or get a false sense of how good you can be. And uh, on the other hand, I don't even know how you practice three on three other than I think I had an idea as a bring in somebody from three ice because that's all they do is three on three. Now, they have some different rules in that league, but there's got to be some cool things you can try that you could work on that would make you a better three on three team, it seems to me. Steige, I have a two-part question. One is the Penguins are ahead of the Flyers in point percentage, and I'm thinking their best route to the playoffs might be to get that third spot in the Metropolitan Division. So, A, do you agree with that? And then this one I was thinking about. Would you rather be the team that's ahead in points by five, six, seven points or the team that has games in hand? Well... I'd like to, A, it would be nice to get in the top three. 
I don't know if that's realistic at this point, um, but it could happen. I mean, the Penguins would have to be really one of the better teams down the stretch, I think, to get to that point. I think they're going to be battling for a wild card spot. That's my personal feeling, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility, depending on what happens there at the top. The Flyers are fading, I think. They have issues with Carter Hart not playing for them, and so there are some problems for those teams above the Penguins. But uh, to answer your question about games in hand, at this point, I would take the games in hand because I think what it's done is it's given the Penguins a chance to kind of recharge their batteries here. I don't generally like long delays for a Penguin team because they tend to lose some of their sharpness offensively when they have too many days off. On the other hand, they're the oldest team in the league. So I think this is a good chance for them to recharge their batteries. So they end up with games in hand because they have days off. And I think in the long run, that could really serve them well. It's going to get real crazy in March and April, games every other day. Actually, less than that if you look at throwing a couple of back-to-backs. So I think that uh, the games in hand are okay because I think they're going to play better hockey the rest of the way. And I, I predict that their power play will actually be more effective down the stretch than it's been all year. Well, it can't be any worse. I think we can agree. On, <laughs> That's true. We, we can agree on that. But, you know, the age factor you're talking about, though, too. Now, yeah, it's nice to get this break now, but their schedules really get congested after this, right? Crazy. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, really, really tough grind in March every other day. I think it's, uh, what is it, uh, 16 games in 31 days or something like that. Uh, you know, so – it's a, it's a lot of games coming up, and they're, I think, going to need uh, a boost of some kind. And I think that boost could come from their power play. And I, and I do think there will be a lot of three-point games, so I do think they'll find themselves in overtime a little bit more. Hopefully they'll be able to play better in those situations. Steige, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for coming on. Okay, guys, thanks for having See me. See you, Paul. Care. Be good. Bye-bye. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.